This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans. Where you can now go and taste the taste of fall in their deli. They have a fantastic deli section with a lot of different prepared meals. Mm-hmm. But you'll find parsnips and carrots, pumpkin salad, sweet potato, bacon and feta salad, cheesy cauliflower, and hearty winter grain, to name a few. Plus, the uh, Taste of Thanksgiving is happening on November 4th. It's 11 to 4 o'clock. You join them for an afternoon of holiday sampling, including their complete turkey dinner, wine, beer, desserts, and more. And this is happening at all three locations, Chris. And I got to tell you, we did Thanksgiving via Zupans last year. It was awesome. Yeah. Well, everything, all the prepared food is fantastic, mm-hmm. and all the side dishes are great. Also, you need to use Zupans as your wine source. They have Cellar Z. They have wine cellars in the basement of both Burnside and the Lake Grove Zupans. They house a great collection of rare and large-format wines and are available for private dining events, perfect for the upcoming holiday season. So you can check out more about availability at Zupans.com. I happened to find a wine that we tasted in Italy, in Tuscany, Badia Colto Buono Chianti Classico, the other day. We weren't told it was at Zupans from those people, but it was there. But it was there. Three locations, Burnside, Lake Grove, and McAdam, and of course, always at Zupans.com. It is time once again for Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your hosts, Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. And uh, this is actually the first time in, uh, what, a month and a half that we've seen each other, that we've been in the same room talking with each yeah, other? Yeah, and your hair looks great. Yeah, thank you, you. You, went, you got something done with I it. I went to uh, Union Barber Company. They did a great job. It's a little shout-out to them. <laughs> yeah, I'm not giving a shout-out no. to mine. Uh, but um, it, it, so October 23rd, a very special day. A, that we're back here, but uh, this is also another special day for you, right, Chris? I was actually hoping that I wouldn't remember it, that I that it would go right by, because in the previous years, October 23rd, I had. But this one's actually pretty interesting. I had some friends over the other day who were had some little kids, and they were inquiring why I didn't have, uh, you know, where my kids were, and was I married? Yeah. And, and so this was Friday night, and this is now Monday, and I just realized it hit me then Today is the 20-year mark of my being a single man. Do I congratulate you? I think Louis C.K. has a bit where that's where you congratulate Man, I'll tell you, when I first, I thought I was going to be in a relationship three weeks later or three months later, something like that. And I actually dated some women when I was first single and they would tell me, oh, I've been single for six years. And I think, oh, something must be wrong with you. Yeah. And- (laughs) And here you are. I'm at 20. 20. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally a generation removed. Yeah. But think think about it. We, we've talked about this, how easy that very fact was for you to make the move out here to the to Oregon. Oh, I'm, how all that. I'm not crying and right. lamenting it. You know, I think it, years one through five, maybe I was. But sure. I really appreciate the wonderful life. I just got back from Europe. I'm doing this podcast with you. I, almost everything I do now, I appreciate because of that event in my life sure it it thrust everything into a lot of change but um i've really been uh, i've had a lot of i've discovered a lot of new things and been able to do many things now that i've been single now fresh off a trip and we should point this out before we introduce our guest here real quick uh a trip that's planned for 2018 to mexico city a little update on that right yeah we're gonna be, we were planning on doing it in march 
uh, but we're now going to be looking at late October, which would to Mexico City with David of Chocolate de David and also Catherine Mantarola. Uh, we'll be going to Mexico City and doing some mezcal, mezcal and chocolate tasting, mm-hmm. uh, along with some great restaurants. And that's going to be after our trips to uh, Sicily. Right. Um, in early October. Year. Yeah, early October. And then hopefully, I think we'll be doing another trip with Jose Chesa to Spain. We're in Spain. That still needs to be discussed. Mm. Hopefully it'll be San Sebastian. So keep an eye on PortlandFoodAdventures.com because that's where you keep all the information. Yes. To our guest today, this was... Uh, when you want to describe like just a good person, yeah, Todd Edwards is that guy. Yeah, he is just a good person. I I feel bad that I met him a couple of years ago. Yeah, maybe a year and a half ago actually, and it took this long to get him on the podcast. But you know, everything happens for a reason. Most things, anyway. And uh, we learned something. I learned something about Ole Latte, which is his business. Mm-hmm. Uh, three food carts, soon to be a brick and mortar. Um, but it's a real of all the food carts in town. It is, I can I can say pretty unequivocally, it's my favorite. Um, they have excellent coffee, great bagel sandwiches made with Bowery bagel bagels, yeah. which, which we found out today. I knew it because they were great. Um, I wrote down some notes when we were going through this interview because it's a great interview. Uh, we're going to talk about driving a tank. We're going to talk about it. We've a, never discussed no, that. Never discussed that. We also discussed a penetrating shaft. Which uh, is not what you think it's about. It has nothing to do with no. my 20-year anniversary, nope. by the nope. way. Uh, but, but maybe most important, uh, we talked about uh, something that I had never heard of, suspended coffee. A suspended coffee. Just as the, the, concept the concept of suspension. suspension. Sometimes there are conversations that happen after we've turned off the mics and I've stopped recording. And you asked, you actually said, I never really had heard too much about suspended coffee, your suspension program. And he started to share a story, and you're like, Ugh! so we turned uh, back up. That was me saying, you know, that was you motioning to start recording. Again. I wasn't that stressed out. No, you I you just said, hey, I think you, it's a good idea yeah. if we record this. Uh, and we did, and it's powerful. So we have that, but it's going to be at the very end of this this interview. So one more reason to listen all yeah, the way through. Yeah, and and you'll be so happy that you did because for me, it, it made the interview. Yeah. Uh, well. Todd was, I, I can say, sometimes, you know, it's like after eating a meal, you say, that was the best thing I've ever had. And then five days later, well, yeah, it was good. Right. That was a really great interview. Yeah. This is right after. He was, uh, it was, it flowed really well. And it was really less about food and more about giving, which we should talk about more on this podcast. Yep. Yeah, no, I just, I just love your whole vibe, you know, that you're able to generate from two carts right, at this yeah. point in time. So ever since um, uh, Jose Luis and Casimira turned me mm-hmm. on to what you're doing, yeah, um, and I went down there, it's, it's impressive. It's, pretty, it's a cool operation, and you can, see, yeah. you can see you got a lot of heart, you got design sense. I want to know where that design sense came from. Um, you know, this has just been something that I've, I've, I've always kind of had a, uh, um, an idea that I love Portland and, you know, obviously the, the bridges and whatnot, just inspiring and you walking over, um, you know, from the, from the east side to the west side. And then you've got, you know, of course the scenescape of Portland from behind it. And you're just like, you just love it. That's just one of the things I, I, I kind of said, I want to do something that 
a t-shirt that people or a design aspect of the, you know, people that can really get behind and really enjoy and love. And then of course I turned it on to a graphic designer of mine. And then I, I said, this is the kind of sketch that I have. Make it, make it happen. Make it good. <laughs> make it happen. Make it happen. So we, a couple different ideas, but I, I do have a little bit of a background um, with a little bit of art, but. What is that background? Because it shows. I mean, not everybody has taste. Yeah. So there's yeah, two different yeah. things. There's a design sense, mm-hmm. which means you can develop your own things. And then there's, there are people who can recognize nice things and right. put them together, too. So where does that come from for you? And, and I'll say this yeah. because I guess it's, we're talking about it in a vacuum. Yeah. You have two carts down at PSU. What's the corner? Uh, Harrison and... Yeah, Southwest 5th and Harrison. 5th, Southwest 5th, yeah. because it's not far from here, from right. where we yeah. are right now. And, um, you know, you get a sense there are carts, but you get a sense there's all this beautiful wood involved. And yeah. the, the first of all, you've done a fantastic job with staff because they're mm-hmm. all really friendly and really cool. Uh, and just even the menu. The stuff is very Oregon. It feels very Oregon. Right. Uh, I like right. your pumpernickel and smoked salmon. Yeah, we That's call it the Columbia. The Columbia. I've gotten probably a dozen of those. Over so since I've met you, so um, that's my little stop. And by the way, what a great lunch! It's not, you know, it's a nice little thing with and pick up a little coffee too. Keeping it Ole easy. Latte. Ab- so, absolutely. Um, so anyway, it struck me that it's you're just not. The first thing I heard is that you mm-hmm. were roasting coffee and serving it. Yeah. And then you get onto your carts, and it's more than that. It doesn't feel like just a coffee thing. No, it's 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 one of those things that you know through cultivating. A lot of my background, my history, um, being in the in the restaurant industry for I hate dating myself, but over twenty years, dude, um, you better enjoy dating yourself <laughs> now because when you get to my age, you're not going to want to do that at all. I know. When we start you know, talking baseball, that's why I've got a we court. We have to stay away from baseball. Is that the we, new uh, A word? Yeah, that's the new B A word because I completely date word? myself. You know, I was at sure. I'll do it right now because I I don't mind. There he is. I was at Shea Stadium in. Um, 1969 See. when the Mets won. So there you go. <laughs> you just, and I, you I was go. alive. There you go. I, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't an embryo. Right. When you're talking about, you know, older than dirt and, you know, they, they look in a picture of you and you're like, oh, there he is, older than dirt. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, so, um, so you're, his, you you have some military history. I got a little military background. Uh, four years oh, in the service. I this, yeah. this say it's it's beyond that. I was talking to Chris before you came in, and I said I, th- I believe because we've never really asked this question, but I believe this is the first time we've had a tank operator on the show. Oh yeah, uh, that's pretty big. See there you go, and unique. <clears throat> yeah. So tell us about some tank experiences. Oh my gosh, um, a very very heavy, very unforgiving, very powerful. Um, piece of machinery that you get to just blow stuff up, and it's kind of awesome. What's the what What's the most significant thing you blew up? Um, you know, just just shell targets. You know, just things that are metal plates down the down range. They'll uh, they'll have like um, uh, decommissioned other military vehicles, tanks, and things of that nature. So that way, it gives a cool splash effect mm-hmm. when the uh, when the munition actually hits it. It'll just you know. Gives a real fireworks show, which is always kind of cool. Um, I've never gone into combat, thank God. I didn't need to go through that. Um, but, you know, just going through the aspect of training and, and, and all of that, live fire exercises, um, you don't need to go worry about going through, you know, um, 
uh, wartime because it's very violent. Uh, a tank, when it fires, it's very violent. So I have to ask the question, though. If you're saying, thank God I didn't go into combat, sure. yet you put yourself in the position to possibly do that, sure. What what's that line of thinking? How does that work? Um, I think when you when you want to, you know, uh, be part of uh, going out in the world and saying, hey, I'm going to go ahead and protect our our, our livelihood, um, our freedom, our sense of, you know, rights that we have here in the United States. Um, you don't, I don't think in all honesty, you figure that you want to go and kill somebody. I mean, that's just merely is what combat really is, uh, wartime, you mm-hmm. know, and it's defense of things. You, you kind of like, you want to show a presence that you're there, but you really hope and, and, that you don't want to go and confront anybody. You don't want to have to. So it's, it's, you know, I'm hoping to be just that sense of like preventative measure. You know, I'm kind of like the dogs barking next door and you just hope they're going to get, they're going to stop. So right. you don't have to go over and confront them. Sure. Right. <laughs> you know, or maybe you have the dogs and, and you know, that just is a deterrent from somebody wanting to come up to your, you know, front doorstep. Right. Um, you know, which is that, you know, thank goodness for that. Um, we'd spent a little bit of time. I had to go over to per, uh, the Persian Gulf uh, for a few months, uh, that was a bit of a, uh, an experience for me. Never been over the Middle East. Um, tried to swim in the saltiest open body of water, which is the Persian Gulf. You can't sink. Did you know that? You, you, it's impossible for you to drown unless you forcefully put yourself into the water. But you can't, you, you don't have to swim. You don't have the to. Salt no the salt content's that high. It's so high. Yeah. You literally just bob in the water. And we had to put weights, heavy weights, to get us down so that we can go scuba diving, um, which is very fascinating and interesting. Is that, you know, like thinking, like, it's a body of water. How in the world am I just, I cannot force myself down into this body of water? Um, you had to have weights on. Hmm. So, but you know, different combinations of things, you know. I have my own weight. It's going <laughs> to, you just, <laughs> I got, I got, it's built in. <laughs> no, I just was swimming in the Mediterranean like a, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, that same, that's pretty salty too. Yeah, I was, I was marveling at how buoyant, buoyant I was. Mm-hmm. I was very glad, especially after lunch. Was you didn't eat. <laughs> you obviously didn't eat enough, Chris. Yeah, well, I'll keep trying. Yeah. But um, well, that's cool. So you actually did. Were you driving, or did you actually do the? Uh... Yeah, through the combination of everything, uh, we started out as a driver, typically, or as a loader. Uh, loading the munition into the in the main gun. Um, how and, big? How big were the shells? Yeah, 120 uh, millimeters. So in perspective, I guess you know you know the round itself. It's a penetrating round, so it's maybe um, what is 120 millimeters? I guess maybe a couple inches. But but yeah. the, but the long it has a has a really long um, um, like. A, penetrating uh, shaft uh, this is kind of getting perverse but penetrating shaft and, <laughs> and then uh and then but the, the whole round itself is about 40 pounds um so you kind of have to lumber these things through the tank it's but i've, I've shot the tank i've tank commanded the tank um, is this an abrams is it abrams tank mm-hmm. okay m1 abrams yeah um and and you know driving the tank i don't know my my most fun that i've had Operating the tank was, I think, the driver. You know, I love driving, even if it was a lower position. You know, tank commanding was a lot of fun too. Uh, you're just kind of sit- sitting in a in a Cadillac position, uh, kind of dictating everybody to do what they need to do. Uh, but the driving was always always kind of cool. You know, how how long would it take to stop? 
Actually, it's very good brakes. Really? Yeah, yeah. You could put that thing, uh, you stomp on the brakes, and it, it, it wants to stop pretty quick. And then you could actually set the, the back end. It'll it'll lean a little bit on the front and then raise in the back. That thing just stops pretty quick. Uh, 1,500 horsepower, 72 tons combat loaded. Uh, pretty impressive, you know? And that thing can go that across the desert about 45 cart. miles How long. come no one's ever thought of that for a f- food cart? Well, so just open Park you, one of those and open it up. Why do you think I work so easily in a food cart? Because yeah. I'm I'm used to this small space. I was going to ask you. You're such a nice guy. You've always been so nice to me. Do you ever have moments where you wish you had the ammunition in the food <laughs> just cart? A, just a large turret with a big gun on there. Exactly. Be just like I'm just getting to know you all, and you know, hey, you gluten free, right? <laughs> gluten free bagel. Oh. Yeah. So so you started with an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, how long ago? It was you wanted to do wine and coffee. Yeah. So we wanted to start off with a wine shop and then do coffee in the morning. I didn't know anything about coffee. Um, and I, I quickly, through conversations and in thinking about stuff, we, you know, I kind of leaned on not doing a brick and mortar. And then a friend of mine, um, Stephen Schaumler, he... You're sitting there having a glass of wine, and, and he says, how about a food cart? And it was in 2012 that we were discussing this. And actually, in, yeah, it was 2012. And I ended up saying, yeah, you know, maybe. And I started researching a little bit more, and I got somebody to work on doing just the a basic build-out on the food cart for me. Um, and I abandoned the wine idea. And from that point, it just kind of like, it, it went into a, a, an amazing spiral of, of cool things um i wanted to keep everything local with the wine shop everything local with the coffee shop and i kept learning more and more and more about coffee i decided on restricted roasters to be the ones that you know i served coffee um their coffee and then eventually i i turned over to to roasting my own coffee um but i learned everything that you know was din real helpful din was yeah din was great you know uh din and the crew they they just went through the process of teaching me everything i mean they didn't have a lot of um, they, they, they were forced, they were forced into training cause I just kept beating them up about, no, well, you were also purchasing their you know, coffee. They had to, absolutely. You had to, I mean, you, you can't say, no, I'm not going to, but uh, you're a customer, but so. through following, um, you know, with that, with Ristretto, I was able to pick up Kim Boyce, bake shop, pastry goods, absolutely amazing stuff. And then it just follows suit. You know, through all of the local purveyors here in Portland, um, you know, a lot of people say, why don't you just go ahead and do like your own stuff? And I'm like, well, that's not kind of my energy. My energy is to work with the community, you know, work with who's doing it amazingly and just kind of bring them on board. It's an interesting concept for a food cart because there are a lot of people out there who are working very hard to develop their own Right. flavors and their own things, but there really are a lot of things like Bake Shop and Ristretto Roasters, yeah. coffee that, you know, just like any retail operation, this just happens mm-hmm. to be in a, a food cart retail operation, right. but eventually you found some way, things that you needed to do yourself or wanted to do yourself. Absolutely. Well. Doing my own coffee was a really important piece and setting that design, um, it, it really identifies us, um, but it wasn't the biggest piece that you know, community was very important for me, um, you know, bringing in the relationships with our partners of our goods and purveyors. Um, I wanted to be able to do more. And one of the things that I was able to, I found out in discovery 
was I love the sense of one person, one drink or one food item at a time. Um, and you got that with the window of the food cart. So you would have that mini coffee date with everybody that came up to the cart. And I thought, wow, that's really something special and that's unique and different. That's definitely not something I want to break. Um, because I've been part of, you know, going to coffee shops and you kind of go, oh, okay, let me go ahead and collect your money here and then go get your drink down there with the barista, you know, and usually you never get a sense of, you know, having a, a relationship with them, mm-hmm. um, because it might be just too busy. Um, with the food cart, we were able to kind of keep that focused, mm-hmm. you know, so there was no ruining it. So there was no going to get it down the other end of the, the cart, um, the wonderful thing that I loved about that as well is the relationships that I would establish with the community. And I wanted to give back. So how do you do that with a food cart here in Portland? You're in a major city. Everybody's kind of got something going on that's amazing. How do you set yourself apart? How do you reach out to the community even more? So a friend of mine, a uh, former barista, he, uh, he mentioned, hey, check out Suspended Coffees. So read up about it and... You know, he talked to me a little bit about it. It took me all about 30 seconds after I heard about it and read about it to put up a board. I said, suspended coffees. What is suspended coffees? It's a way to pay it forward. Way to pay it forward for a person that's anonymous. And um, the beautiful thing is, is that a person can pay for it, walk away um, anonymously. I've given them a 10% discount on their entire order for doing such. Some person randomly comes up it'll happen about two minutes after somebody puts something on the board though and they'll say hey can i get that item off the board no questions asked because they saw it and uh then my relationships even got better in portland with people um a lot of times it's people that had leaned on that that program and just not just getting a free cup of coffee not getting a muffin are there people who sit there waiting for that oh absolutely yeah absolutely but they weren't always just about getting the coffee or the muffin or the scone is about the relationship that we had. You know, we got to know people that did frequent the cart, you know, quite a bit for those items. And we'd have a relationship with them. We'd say, hey, how's your day? Talk to me about what's going on in your life. Um, truthfully, Chris, I, I, I don't honestly know how many how many homeless people I've actually hugged. I mean, mostly it's those the people that, that have you know, taking opportunity with that uh, suspended coffee board. But, I mean, I've had other people, too. I've had people that have just forgotten their wallets or they were, like, risk-free, try a muffin, you know. They're mm-hmm. like, I've never tried your pastries before. Um, a student that was in between, you know, their uh, uh, loans, student loans or something. There are a couple of those over by PSU. Sure, absolutely. There's a few there. So everybody's able to benefit from it, and there's no resume needed. Um, there's no question, no judgment, no passing off of whether or not you're worthy to have an item. The only rule is one thing per person per day. And it's an honor system, you know. So everybody, you know, does a really good job with being able to love put something on the board because they're like, hey, I got a little extra money this month. Why not, you know, brighten up somebody else's day? Because a lot of people know what we do. It's not about just giving somebody a cup of coffee or a muffin. It's about brightening up their day. And that's every time. It doesn't matter whether you're putting something on the board or not. That's what you get when you come to Olay Latte, is you get your day brightened up a little bit more just by serving up a coffee right. and a friendly smile that's and having a, a mini thing. coffee date. I had uh, one of my best friends had a thing for every week he would give a $20 bill to somebody. 
Yeah. Doesn't have to be. It didn't. It could be a homeless person sure. on the street. It could be you. Could yeah. be anybody. Just you're, you're make you know the guy at the gas station. Mm-hmm. Um, that. But what you're doing is you know doing it through the type of business that you have yeah. is uh, is interesting. And I would think. Were you, did you feel it was a little risky at first that you might have you know create uh, an uncomfortable situation at the cart where you'd have a lot of homeless people hanging around, which would certainly not be conducive to a lot of people coming. Yeah. So then you might go and worry about, you know, whether people would be offended um, or that you might have an an awkward situation where somebody was um, offended by somebody else that had, you know, maybe they were on medication for that day or maybe they weren't on their medication for that day for that matter. You know, they, they were just, but you have to, you have training um, we train the staff on how to, to handle circumst- circumstances that, um, you know, might be questionable, you know, so we're prepared. How did um, you, how did you, what prepared you for that to be able to train people on that? Is it, I would imagine there's a lot of learning as you went, like, yeah. Hey, here's a new situation right? we have to deal with. What's the best way to deal with it? Or do you just, did you have some social work No, in your I, past? No, I think, you know. In all honesty, um, it's just I don't I didn't have any training at all. Um, so there are circum- certain circumstances that I will engage with, and that I'll handle on myself. And there will be certain circumstances that I'll have to call somebody that's more of a professional that can handle the situation better than I can. Um, and and that kind of quickly you know shows itself. But I've I've literally had a lot of opportunities where. You know, I, I found somebody is a little bit riled up um, at the cart, and they literally, um, I said, well, let's go have a conversation. Let's go have a talk, and we'll just, I'll just walk around the city with them and, and literally just have a conversation. They oftentimes will just calm down, and, you know, they're appreciative of it. And, you know, for the future, they usually, you know, and it's somebody that I usually haven't seen before, but most of the time for the people that have come up um, a good bit to the cart, it's it's very respectful and you know they're they're very appreciative and they're very kind and in all honesty you know um they they wouldn't i don't think that they ever have ever come back up to the cart where they where they were going to be of any kind of a disruption um for the so people that are appreciate what you did yeah most people aren't doing that but also the cool thing was is that i've learned by doing this it inspired them to do something kind for somebody else you know, like what kind of things are they doing? Oh my gosh, I've had um, I've had people that have, have lived on the streets, and you know, have taken an extra effort. Of there was a a dog that was running ar- around in the the street the other day, <clears throat> and nobody was doing anything about it except for this one gentleman had come up to me and he said, "Hey, I really felt that I needed to take care and help this dog out and secure the animal so it doesn't wasn't going to get hit by a car." Um, because it was obviously scared. But everybody else around was actually just standing there watching this happen. That was one of the examples that I could say that, you know, they've just done an extra good deed of doing something. I can humbly say that, or not so humbly, I don't know. sure. But, you know, what you're doing is really being a part of the city. And part of Mm -hmm. the city now is that problem Sure. Right. And mm-hmm. but you're not really viewing it as much of a as a problem as an opportunity. Right. And um, and interacting with the people on the street is 
part of the food cart world. I yeah. mean, um, and part of being on the street. So I think that that's really, it's fascinating that you're doing that. Would you bring that to your brick and mortar as Absolutely. well? You do Absolutely. You same thing? Um, it's funny because I found myself <clears throat> where I've had people around um, where one of my food carts, they were concerned about whether or not I should be there because I, of the program that I was doing. And um, when it started going and the process was happening, it was a complete mind shift from we don't want homeless people around in this area. We took all this effort to try and make sure that that wasn't the case. And you're, drawing, to, you're, you're a magnet now. Now I've got a magnet of homeless people that come to the cart. But guess what? There's less, there's less garbage. There's less loitering. There's less um, graffiti. There's less, like, there's been more mindful care for the area and in acting appropriate and behaving in a way that's, you know, like being part of the city. Um, by doing what I do, it's because the area is just now more respected. And who brought this to your attention? Were you looking for something like this or just looking, you were looking for something to stand out and, this be, was, and give back? Well, yeah. But how did you get to this? Because it's a different way of giving back. This is organic. Right. This was something that I didn't even realize it was going to happen. Right. This is something that I just discovered. I didn't know how this was actually going to unfold. I didn't know how it was going to impact people's lives. I knew I wanted to change the world one coffee at a time. But how do you do that? You know, by changing it within your own community. You can't change the world by going over to some other country where you're not even part of. Not yet, at least. Mm -hmm. But start somewhere. Start within your own community. Start within your own backyard. And see what you could do there. You know, my objective is actually not to just suspend coffees and muffins and scones out of my food cart. But my objective is to change Portland. To suspend the entire Portland which I've got some wonderful places that I'd love to share at some point about what we're doing and how it's influencing others as well. When are you going to run for mayor? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, mayor's, no, mayor is not going to be in my, my, yeah. Mm -mm. You'll do it no, from I'll do, I'll do it from a food cart. <laughs> or, or a brick and mortar or right. 10. Right. Right. So I, is that your vision? Is that what you'd like to do? Um, have a brick and mortar? Well, you want to, you are doing a brick and you're putting, yeah. you're building one now and mm -hmm. I've seen some of it on Facebook and of course the, the, the finish is beautiful and it's taken you a while because you're not just throwing yeah. up anything. Right. Um, but is your vision to go beyond one brick and mortar to lots of them? I mean, what do you, yeah. what's your long-term business plan? Uh, just this is the tip of the iceberg for us. Um, this is, I, I still find myself in a very microcarbon footprint kind of business, uh, very small scale, keeping it focused. And I'm loving the idea of duplicating this in other parts of the country, um, maintaining that kind of intimacy and not just on a conglomerate corporate scale, but literally maintaining that intimacy in every city that we go into. Um, it would be very important. I think that's better than, you know, just kind of franchising or putting it out there for everybody to kind of do what they need to do, but keeping that culture of community, which is very important, and being, you know, part of a city and being part of a town 
and being, you know, helping people out. Do you think, um, do you think the model will necessarily translate to other cities? Because other cities have different characters and different personalities and Absolutely. sometimes things, you know, don't work. I found that there's not, at least in the chef world and restaurant world, there's not, there's some, mm-hmm. but the collaborative nature yeah. doesn't exist in some other cities that exist here, exist here. Right. Um, it does in Austin, Texas, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Those are like yeah. a sister city. But I've seen in other larger cities like Seattle and so forth. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with Seattle, but it's no. just that inherent collaborative rooting for the guy next door yeah. feature of Portland doesn't necessarily translate elsewhere. So I would just yeah. wonder if you think that might, have you done some research? Do you have some other cities that you're looking at that you've been thinking about? Or is that when the time is right, you'll, you'll yeah. Yeah, so when the time is right, you know, we'll definitely approach that. Um, I, I don't have any cities right now in my in my mind, um, but I do have an interest with going into larger cities as well, some some significant metropolitan cities, and I could I could understand that whether it would work or not. But just like anything else, you know, if you put your heart into it, if you have amazing story behind it, and there's it's real. People, I think, will get behind it. And I think, like, you know, I don't try and want to beat down the front doors to make people believe that this is what it's supposed to be. I think organically, it's just going to take on a life of its own and people are going to want it. You know, they're going to want it in their own town. They're going to want it in their own major city, in their metropolitan city, and they're going to talk about it. Um, so, you know, I don't want to shove it down anybody's throats to say that this is the way you're supposed to do your business. But I truly believe that if I'm putting my heart out of, out there with it, um, I think it's going to work. I think it's going to work. And so part of that was you can't you can't just do that. You have to have a good product. Yeah. Right? So people have to like you're in yep. the food business. Yep. So the coffee had to be a little bit of a process to go from ristretto to your own. Yeah. And yeah. and what kind of what kind of um, Walk us through a little bit what you went through to get to your own coffee, because it's really yeah. good. Thank you. And I don't know, you know, you had said it's not all about the coffee, but sure. do you consider yourself like a coffee person? Do you oh. consider yourself a food cart operator? What do you, mm-hmm. where do you, where are you? Where do you fall on the spectrum there? No, absolutely. Um, we, we fall between the both. You know, I love coffee. I'm an absolutely coffee person. Um, I fell, when I, when I kind of moved transition wise from Restretto Roasters to working on, on our own kind of thing. Um, I had a couple people that were with me that were roasters. They were coffee roasters. They've been doing coffee roasting for a while. Um, a gentleman, um, he was actually a roaster out of California and he was a good food award winner out of California. And he taught me everything that, you know, I've learned, um, for roasting coffee with either micro or, you know, micro uh, single lot origins or doing a blend of some sort. We created the Corazon del Toro um, based off of just what I wanted with, um, um, I, uh, for my love and passion of wine, fruit forward, heavy body, juicy mouthfeel, like a Cabernet Sauvignon or, you know, like a big, bold uh, Bordeaux. Um, and, and then we kind of like said, okay, this is what we want to do. Now let's find the beans that's going to match our profiles. And so we kind of kept doing that. So that's why we have a consistent blend of the Corazon del Toro, Heart of the Bull, 
Um, and then we do the um, the you got to hook up with John Gorham on that. Although yeah. I think they're pretty in with I think it's Water Avenue because they're right next so, door to yeah, the Gorham. Yeah, it could be. But that's the perfect coffee for them. I know, right? <laughs> Just and then we 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 do a single origins micro lots as well, and we love to showcase and highlight those with the farms. So where um, you sh- how are you sourcing your beans? Yeah, so we get them through different. Um, um, importers here around the United States. I've, I've had stuff shipped out of uh, an importer out of Minnesota, um, importers out of Oakland, um, here within our own city, um, out of stuff out of Seattle. So there's a lot of different, um, they're just larger. And, and even um, I've worked directly with a, a couple different um, farms and in getting their Have beans, you traveled great. to to experience the farms i haven't had a liberty to travel yet i think it's been all virtual reality aspects of things you know kind of visiting you know their websites and and kind of doing a lot of research oh, and getting samples and stuff that's but what this community's got to do for you I know. they have to support <laughs> you to the point where you can go go fly go fly and take those trips i, I you know i'd love to and then i kind of go oh yeah right i've got to work on building this shop out and that's been going for a while. How long ago did you start building the shop out? Yeah, and it's not going to be ready till It should spring? be ready in the next. No, it should be ready this winter. Oh, actually. this winter. Okay. Yeah, well, so we're, we're coming up really quick. Um, we're almost done with everything. Um, just kind of like, you know, dot, dot the I's and cross the T's um, with the city. And then, you know, we should be open sooner than later. So we're, we're pretty excited about it. Southeast Clinton and 14th? Yeah, Southeast said? 14th and Clinton. What's near, what's near there? I was trying to place that when I saw that address. Sure. There's a couple blocks. Um, I think most people would recognize Pine State Biscuits is right oh, around there. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought. There. Okay. Um, yeah, that's really close. Uh, there's also the uh, Apex Bar uh, mm-hmm. or, or, or beer place there. And there's that breakfast place, mm-hmm. too. Um, there is across the street. I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, there's a couple places around there. It's just always good. There's like a genie's cafe or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that's and then what I was of. so we're we're really close in this really amazing epicenter right there on Division, and I love it. And between uh, Division and Powell, with ama- all the food, all the food that's up there. So you know, La Mole and Broders and you know all of those wonderful places that are just right up the street. Um, then, you know, some really great places that, you know, we go to, f- you know, frequent quite often for lunches and, and Masubi and, and Mazi Sushi and Scotty's Pizza and the nice line up there. And of course, Scotty's is great. Wonderful. And yeah. 50, 50 Licks isn't far. 50 Licks is right around the corner too. So we're, we're in trouble for gaining some weight around there. That's for sure. You got some, you got some, uh, guns on you. I don't think that's going to be a problem. You're working them <laughs> off. We're we're kind of going through a lot of process construction work, so yeah, it's like, are you working out, bro? Yeah. So <laughs> that so, how much work does it take? To you got two carts, by the way. So let's just there's three. one cart that's coffee. Three, three, three there's carts. Three there yeah, in that same two at PSU right next to each other. Right. Well, those are the th- that's that's what I'm oh, referring yeah, yeah, to. When you go the there, space, there yeah. there's the coffee. Mm-hmm. There's coffee on your left, and then on your right. You've got sandwiches and right. other and other goodies too, mm-hmm. and you've got this whole line of really cool goods yeah. too, merchandise. So you got shirts, hats. You got the co- leather. Am I right? Yeah. Leather coffee yeah. holders. And, yep. Um, we got so much fun things, and they're all local makers too in Portland. So we kind of keep supporting that aspect. We've got these really fun ones that are these rings. 
that goes snap into a mason jar because i mean like i don't know what oregonian or any northwest person doesn't drink out of a mason jar everybody seems to love to drink out of a mason jar well one of the problems with the mason jar is you don't have a handle typically for a mason jar mm-hmm. and i got this really cool um ring with a handle that either done by bicycle chain or like it's a band with a leather strap on it that you could use and it's like guaranteed for life and the guy who's making them out of vancouver washington he's just like yeah anytime anything ever happens to these things bring them back and i'll totally replace it for free and i was like wow that's amazing and he presented it in a way of a beer mug beer handle but for coffee you need you gotta have a handle i was like yeah you can't use glass exactly so i said no 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 mister this is this is for coffee um so that's been a mainstay for us and then you know of course i get these ceramic mugs that are being made for me um, a couple different styles out there. And then, of course, our T-shirts and our hats. And some of the, the artwork that's been done on the carts and the hat is done by Matt Shalosky. He's a local muralist here in Portland. Um, and he's just a wonderful, amazing, phenomenal, very kind of one-of-a-kind artist um, that I've just absolutely loved. And then our new digs that we have on, on Clinton there. I have a very special mural that I had done on the front of our bar and I can't wait for our listeners to come and join us there um, because it's just a, a piece from Amaya Dulugalaki. She is a, a wonderful artist here in Portland as well and she's done a piece that's just absolutely breathtaking on the, uh, the mural on the front of the on the bar. So what's going to happen at your on Clinton and 14th that's different than the carts? You'll be able to actually come in and sit down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean right how fun would that but be? But are we going to you know? be doing the wine? Absolutely. We're going to be doing wine as well. We probably won't do it right away. And the interesting um, thing that we're going to be doing with the wine is it's going to be small batch local wine here in Portland um, or or in the northwest of Oregon, Washington. And it's just going to be something really unique. And I'll also be doing beer, too, but not the stuff that you can just get in the grocery store, but stuff that's really like one off kind of stuff, small batch. Um, We've got some great uh, collaborations with uh, with. Uh, uh, the 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 brewers around here, as well as distillers, as well. We might be doing some fun stuff with. You're the liquid guy. I know, right? I mean, other than the fact Just, that you're doing some merchandise to go with it, but you are the purveyor of liquids. I, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty fun. Uh, we're gonna do some really creative, fun stuff. So you're getting back to what you originally wanted to do. I'm going full circle. Right. All um, the way back. And and just to to be fair to you, when I said two carts, yeah. I meant over. Uh, on Harrison and yep. Fifth Southwest, but you're also over in the uh, pod over on Alder and Tenth and Alder. Tenth and Alder, yeah. Right, so. um, Ucar right there, right up, uh, right up by uh, Nong's Coming Guy, right there. So, mm-hmm. le- uh, how's the food cart business? We've talked to a few people who have transitioned from food mm-hmm. carts to brick and mortars here, yeah. and they have said if you really want to make money, food carts are rough. Yeah, uh, and I'm not asking for your balance sure, sheet no, here. Of course, yeah. But is it something where, you know, if someone were to come up to you and look for advice, would you say it's, what would you tell them? I think that the dream has always been for people that are wanting to start out is always a food cart. And when they want to go, I mean, obviously the dream is to go to a brick and mortar. And that's amazing. And I think that's what it should be. Um, For us, a lot of people kept asking me, why aren't you going brick and mortar? Why aren't you going brick and mortar? And I said, well, because my model's not broken, you guys. My overhead's low. My cost of goods is low because... And you're there a lot. That That yeah. is a lot of the 
That's a lot of the formula, right? Is that it has to be you doing a lot of the work, a lot of the right. repairs, right. and serving yeah. too, right? Yep. How yeah. are you there? How often are you? I'm there a little bit. You know, I'm not there as much as I used to be. Um, the staff really take care of things, and and they're an extension, an easy extension of me. Um, but you know, for for food cart world it can be a challenge and owner operator is usually the one that is able to make the most money having employees obviously we could all agree that you know your largest expense is your payroll out of your business and it's going to be bigger and bigger and it's going to get bigger and bigger because we've got um, minimum wage will be keep coming up and up and up and our our prices are going to have to go up too that's just going to have to be reflective of you know of wages within the city um and that's just you know for sustainability and, you know, so when we open up our brick and mortar, am I looking to, uh, you know, abolish the food carts? I love the food carts. I think they're absolutely amazing. I don't want to go back to the world of, of not having the, a relationship like I've had um, that I get with the food carts. So I guess it's all in perspective. Um, you got to see how it goes. Right. I mean, I've seen a lot of chefs that have been in food carts that, you know, will give you all of their accolades as soon as you walk up for the first time out of the, you know, it, to their window. And you're supposed to expect to be, you know, praising them up and down, left and right about how great they are as, as a chef and they're serving you food. But if their heart's not in it and they don't show that they care, you know, maybe the food cart isn't the right choice. For well, them. I think in a community like Portland, and we've resolved this, I think, court on the podcast a few times talking to people, anybody who doesn't have their heart in it right. in this city is not going to survive yeah. because you can't do, you can't be in the food business. Right. Yeah. Day after day and not have your heart in It'll kill you. Yeah. You have to love doing what you're doing. And we're such a microcarbon footprint. I mean, ourselves as Portlanders that if something isn't adoptable, if something isn't adoptable, we don't take it. We don't allow for it to come into our city. So I think that's why we can get a little bit of a transition of from one, you know, restaurant to another, you know, one that maybe not be that great to a really great restaurant. And we've seen it time and time again where we've seen some that have folded and some that have actually come out forward and they're just like, wow, this is a great restaurant too. Um, so well, there's so many incubators now. So there are incubators right. on top yeah. of incubators. So we just had uh, David Briggs in here who used to work at Park Kitchen. Mm-hmm. That spawned so yeah. many people in the industry. But then now those are out doing their thing at Pine Street Biscuits. They're spawning mm-hmm. yep. a lot of new great businesses too. And then, you know, the food cart isn't, isn't necessarily the only avenue for entry now. You've got yeah. things like Thiesley. Yeah. that are offering people the opportunity. They're, they're out hitting it hard. I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of sponsored posts about, you know, cook, and we'll give you the opportunity to do that. Um, so it's not just food carts. There's a lot, there are a lot of different ways to do it. Absolutely, know? yeah. And the micro-restaurants are starting to come in now, too, a lot more so, like food halls and different things. Right. We're starting to see a lot more of that, which is going to be an affordable way for people to get their, their name out there, which might be actually a... a point that we end up going to with all these food cart lots are going to be eventually well, they're going to be swallowed up by condos yeah and they're, they're going to have to build something what and then they have been doing it building mm-hmm. a little space brick and mortar for that some of those mm-hmm. it's really an ironic situation where these neighborhoods are becoming popular enough to be developed 
Yep. And they became popular because of the businesses that have to close to build what they're building. Exactly. So, if, so. I mean, this is nothing new. Everybody kind of knows this. But right. what are you going to do with the 15 food carts that have to close? They can't all get they can't brick and get mortar. And, yeah, they can't all do it. And they can't afford it. Uh-huh. So the developers aren't going to be handing them cash to, no. to try their thing. Yeah, you got to have your heart into it, and if it works out, it's supposed to work out. If if your heart's not into it, and you know it, it shows, then other people, we're just it's not going to be supported. And it's good. I think it's going to be a really positive thing with the with the flushing out of food carts um, in in certain areas that you know there maybe shouldn't be food carts there. Um, I think it's been allowed a lot for um, food carts to be around that have not been doing the you know, the work that they should have been doing and, and, you know, get the recognition so they can go into a brick and mortar. They're just kind of sitting around. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be fun. This will be an interesting time that we're going to see in the next 10 years, I think. How much, of, how much of your success do you think is due to just having a captive audience at PSU? I mean, that's a, oh. and how did you get that spot? Cause it's a unique spot. <laughs> it's not a pot. Nobody has made, um, there's been so many people that have been in that spot before me as a food cart and they literally, um, they just couldn't make it for one reason or another. I'm not really sure what their business models were like. But when I came in there, I built my second food cart. I lost hair in my beard. I didn't have hardly any money for dressing it out at all on the outside. It looked really awful. And I was when I finally got done with my food cart, I said, gosh, I don't even know where in the world to put this thing. And it just so happened, turned out that there was a food cart that had moved out of the spot. And I just kind of pestered PSU, and I said, what's going on with that? And I pestered him, and I pestered him, and, you know, they were kind of like, okay, well, maybe this might be okay. And they had to actually redo a contract for me to be there because I think there was some, like, written, you know, you couldn't have coffee on the campus or things were just kind of like. Well, yeah, 16 Starbucks nearby with right, like, non-compete you know, clauses. Right, right exactly. <laughs> so they wrote something out for me, and it worked out okay. Um, and then you know, little by little. And I figure every day I get one more person that's just better than it was yesterday. And now we've got, you know, a, a pretty, pretty captive audience there at PSU. Um, but that's how we ended up doing it. That's how we ended up getting that location. And then the spot that was right next to it, that was interesting because I had a little bit of money that I ended up building out my third food cart. And what I did was um, I had it out in Happy Valley. There was a food cart pod that ended up going out there in Happy Valley. It was like, it was amazing. The, the food cart pod was big and glamorous and had all these, you know, amazing amenities, but it just didn't work out in the business aspect of things. And then there was a gentleman that was kind of next to me and he's like, I just think I want to retire. So when he gave up his location, I talked to PSU about it and we slid right on in there as well with that second food cart. And uh, then I had to turn everything over from a, from coffee to bagels. Mm-hmm. And because I, I wanted to do something, I was like, "What am I going to do?" Where do you source your bagels? Uh, Bowery Bagels. Oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. sense. So, yes, yeah, so good. Yeah. Um, and then we go up to the farmers market. And we get like all of our goods from the farmers market people. So, yeah, that's like tails and trotters, smokery.com, things of that nature. So you can get some great fish. And looking at the different cheese purveyors up there and some jellies. Like, what do we? What do we end up getting? We end up getting a uh, finding. Rose City Pepperheads. You ever had Rose City Pepperhead oh, yeah. jelly? I, I actually have about three 
three jars in my uh, in my refrigerator. I, I think it's fantastic, but I don't cook enough to use it. That's right. why I have three jars. I know. <laughs> I use it a little bit here and there, pork chops, right. glaze them. And yeah, you know, it's been a lot of fun. And then we just kind of creatively take all those um, and we just kind of accent the sandwiches with different jellies. And, and we've had a really big following in that aspect, which has always been fun. Um, but, you know, trying to keep it local. Everything as much as possible. And you can, and you feel that. And that's why I I was immediately drawn to your business and wanted you on the podcast because when you're at the cart, it's like, it's everything you love about, you know, the farmer's markets, but serving it to you in a really casual, easy way. Right. It's not, there's no snootiness of some restaurants that are putting it on the Right. right side of the plate. It's just, you know, you walk away in a, in a nice little paper container mm-hmm. with a bagel that you can eat. And uh, I like to walk away with a cup of coffee and uh, a bag. Exactly. Yeah. So we, I definitely want to keep it as the approach. If it's going to be a really good coffee, if it's going to be a really good bagel, you don't need to have a resume and you sure as heck don't have to have an application yeah, to get it. Some good stuff on there. Yeah. Nice. Thanks. So um, have you been to Paiche? Since he, well, no, 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 no. Since he's transitioned to vegan? Yes. Okay, what do you think? I love it. I love it. His heart is so much into his food. I don't care what he does. He could do whatever he wants because his heart is always in it. Mm-hmm. And he's got such amazing passion for doing what he does. And he has no gumption for saying, you know what? I don't have passion for this anymore. Right. This is what I want to do. And I want to surf. Yeah. So what, as long as it works with his surfing. I know, yeah. That's right. Jose, Jose Luis de Casio, by yeah. the way, at Paiche, which is up on Corbett, one of the really interesting food businesses in Portland, which was getting all sorts of recognition. Yep. Restaurant of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was uh, Will, Willamette Week. Um, yeah. And then he just decides, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to just be open in the morning till 12. Exactly. 7 to 12. He's going to expand that, he said. Right. It's, you know, he, he's got a balance of life. You know, that's the most important thing for him and, and what he's got going on in his family. And, and I've just tried his stuff. And it's just amazing. Yeah, it's, You're not going to be disappointed. I'll tell you what. When you, just want, when you don't feel like a big waffle breakfast yeah. right? and you don't want a big brunch that you get mm-hmm. in Portland, you go over there and you just walk out of there feeling great because it's very healthy and it's very delicious. And you can have absolutely no guilt about anything that you're eating. But if you need to and you want to indulge, we have another restaurant that carries our coffee, which is awesome, Vertigree, Johnny Noon. Johnny Noon's out there, and he's just killing it and amazing stuff. So that's up there in Fremont. So I have to go there. I there. talked to them a long time ago, but yeah. I, have not even, I have not been there. My challenge is he's I'm about as far southwest as you can right. get. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and getting into Portland has been a little more challenging. I get in, but yeah. I can't eat everywhere. Oh, I know. Well, you can. You're just, you know. I could if I decided I wanted to be here, but I'd be less buoyant I'm, for the Mediterranean Sea. Yeah, no, I'm liking my I'm liking my Manzanita thing. Okay, what about in Portland? But here in Portland, you know, of course, we go to Paiche a lot. Uh, Scotty's Pizza is just amazing. He'll uh, make you a white clam if you give him a little advance notice. Oh you a white my clam gosh, pizza? no. <laughs> I would, yeah, right. Well, he's is got that, a is that just for Todd, or is that for everybody listening to the podcast? And he'll do well. Obviously, Todd's a <laughs> Todd's a big fan, so he'll yeah, do right. it. Okay, 
And Scotty does the, the pay it forward system as well. So they do the, the suspended pizzas there. Oh, they do. Mm-hmm. So you can buy yeah, a pizza for that. somebody. Absolutely. Has anybody else done it in town? Do um, you know I know of a chiropractor acupuncturist is doing it. There's also one Bayside. Uh, I can get you a sixth vertebrae. Is uh-huh. that how that works? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> get a little massage on, uh, on somebody else. Um, there's been another one that I've really loved to go to. Have you ever been to Guero? Yeah, I love it. Amazing. And as a matter of fact, I just met them, both of them at Feast. I'm not recalling the names. Alec just, and um, and his wife. I always yeah. So she's I'm lovely. terrible she's with names. Wonderful. She. That's what I was yep. going to say. She's absolutely wonderful. And yes, we're going to have them. Thank you. Yes. Court, let's write that down. We're going to have them on the podcast because mm-hmm. I told them you have to come on. And it's one of my favorite spots. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're absolutely wonderful. Um, and you know they got a great uh, selection of mezcal and. Um, and I, I, I love their kind of like take on their, their atmosphere is amazing as well. Uh, talk about style and design. Wow. They, they knock it out of the park. And um, they took the old tabla space and turned yeah. it into something. They made it their own really oh, quickly. Totally so, did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's really nice. Um, well, thank you for coming on. No, I'm gl- I, I, I have to it. thank Casimira and Jose Luis for introducing us <laughs> because I had never heard of Ole Latte before I went into Paiche and I said, what are your favorite businesses in mm-hmm. town and right up the top you know your wooden thing was there yeah your wooden design thing and uh came down and met you so i'm glad we had the opportunity to meet and glad came yeah. on came on to chat with us absolutely amazing i loved having uh being on here i can't believe we're already over with it's it, just, yeah we're over time's up we're over <laughs> well no we gotta we're, we're okay um, but it goes fast. Yeah, it really does, honestly. Especially, I guess, we're just having a good conversation. So. Yes, and sometimes it doesn't go as fast. Sometimes <laughs> it does. It's dragging. You know, I used to, long ago, I went to, I did, it's not big in this town, but when I was in Connecticut and I was way younger, I went to eight-minute dating. Okay. And so you, th- those eight minutes could either be two hours mm. or three minutes, mm. depending on how what kind of time you were having. But mm, I, I had some where it's like, could this please, eight minutes, could it go a little, could it move along here, please? <laughs> but that's it's not so drastic with the podcast, but you can tell when they're fun because Court's yeah. always over there giving the five-minute signal, and I'm thinking, we got come so much on, more to man, talk we just about. started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just beginning here. Well, we'll do it again. Yeah, please. So that's the end of the interview. But then you, what did you ask him, Chris? I just, actually, I just said I had, I wasn't that familiar with your suspended coffee program. And he said, he said, well, there's actually a story I didn't tell. Maybe I should come back and tell it. And so he's sitting in the studio and I said, just start recording. So uh, one of the, one of the stories that I've got is um, I used to have a bunch of kids that used to come down, youth group that used to come that was at a a streetlights as a kind of a housing shelter for those that are up to 24 years old. And uh, once upon a time, they, they, they kind of all walked by all the time, and I, I finally yelled at them, and I startled them. And they were like, well, what's going on? And I said, I want to know every single one of your names, and I want you to come by every morning, and I want you to greet me and tell me what you're doing for the day. And it kind of startled them because there was like nobody gave acknowledgement ever to them like that. Are you a father? Yeah, I'm a father. Oh, okay. Yeah, How many yeah. kids? Uh, I, five kids, essentially, but through relationships and, and just whatnot. That. Yeah, just a few. Okay. Um, and, and these kids, they, I mean, there are like 20 of them. And next thing you know, you know, every weekend or every time that I worked, they'd always come by and they'd make sure that they said, hey, Todd, how are you doing? Good to see you. And there was this one man, they, his name is Dan, 
and he always held back in the pack and he was kind of separated himself. Maybe he just didn't want to be part of the group or whatever for whatever reason, but I got to know him too. And he would come up oftentimes alone um, and he would just talk to me about how his day is and what he's got going on. And he's got aspirations. He doesn't want to be on the street anymore. And he's got really a, a big goal for this. And uh, one day he came up to me and several months later, um, he said, hey, I'm applying for this job. Um, it's an internship with Nike. And he said, can you just, you know, kind of give me some good, you know, good thoughts about this. I said, absolutely, Dan. And this is on a Wednesday, I think. And then Thursday came around. <clears throat> I think his interview was on Thursday. And then Friday came around, didn't see him, didn't see him on Thursday. Um, Saturday morning came around. And I finally saw him and I thought, oh, you know, um, he was standing up in front of my cart in the morning. It was a perfectly beautiful, sunny morning, warm. Um, and he was standing out there kind of like 10 feet away from the cart and just standing alone. And it was earlier in the morning. I was just opening up my window, kind of getting things going. And I said, hey, what's going on, Dan? And, uh, you know, he's kind of like, he's really hesitant to come up to me. So I walked up to him because I thought there was really something kind of going on with him. And he hands me his piece of paper, and I just look at it, and I'm staring at it, and I, I, I don't realize what it is until, you know, after a few seconds, and I, it's a schedule. It's a, it's, a, it's a schedule for this young man. And I just looked up at him, and he just looked at me, and, and we just knew what that meant, both of, like, you know, how he got it, and then, but he wanted to share that with me. And it was, it kind of kind of set me a set me back because I didn't why would he want to share this with me so much and it was because of our relationship that we had through this Pentecoffee movement that we've been doing and we just we both cried and we both hugged it out and we were so happy and joyful about what he's had had accomplished as a young man that's on the streets living in a homeless shelter and day in, day out with influences of bad and good, trying to make a, a name for himself. Two weeks later, I don't see Dan at all. Two weeks later, this young man comes up to me on the street and he's decked out, head to toe in Nike gear. He's so excited to see me. And he comes racing across the street to me. We both give each other an amazing hug. And I said, Dan, I said, you still got your size sticker on your there can I get that off for you <laughs> so he was so excited about having a job and not being on the streets and having this new clothing that he just forgot to even take the the, the size sticker off of it but what an amazing um you know a, a time for that to have happened um you just don't know a lot of people want to go out there and give people money they want to give people food beverage I say give them a conversation Acknowledge him as a person. Yeah. So that's, you know, I'm always asking about the business side of yeah. things. That's a whole, that's something that you, that's priceless that you yeah. can put into the business equation. Exactly. So cool that you're doing that. Thanks, man. Cool. Appreciate it. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans, unsurpassed quality. From the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. 
Local and family owned for over 40 years, Zupan's Markets. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right